is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Mo Rocca, we continue the conversation of those key moments that brought him to the next step in his career and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Mo Rocca. Going into The Daily Show, and of course, you know, CBS Sunday Morning, and I know there's a lot in there, but what was that, who, who was the connecting piece for that? Well, I have to tell you, and, and I don't know that a lot of people can say this, in, in, uh, um, but in that case, it was an agent. It was an okay. agent that I was working with for a time who said, you should look at this show. I had no idea what she was talking about. I confused it with something else, hmm. with something that was on the, the fledgling e-network at that time. Um, and she said, it's a show, and I think you'd be right for it. And it was really my experience as a writer that got me on The Daily Show. It was one of these things where yeah. everything just, the plan worked. It, the plan worked from start to finish. And that that I don't know that that will ever happen for me again. And the plan was this. This show is hot. It's getting hotter. How do we get you in there? You've never been on camera. Your experience is primarily as a writer well, let's do this. Let's do a bait and switch. Let's have you apply as a writer. And then once you get into the room, pitch yourself as a correspondent. And from start to finish, this zany scheme worked. And 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 uh, and so I went, the first step was to go to the Comedy Central Network because getting to the actual show was like a fortress, basically. Yeah. But there was an executive at Comedy Central and I walked in there, I'd done a writing packet and I wasn't really interested in being a writer for The Daily Show. I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't. Mm. But my jokes were strong enough. My writing packet was strong enough that I walked in there and first to a network executive and we started talking and then I pulled out, I made on my own dime, a trip to Greenville, Tennessee, the home of Andrew Johnson, our 17th president and the first to be impeached. And this was during the time that Bill Clinton was being impeached. So I come up with this idea of how does a, the hometown of an impeached president memorialize that person? Because there's something kind of inherently funny about that. And the Andrew Johnson hometown, Andrew Johnson was a terrible president. Um, and, and Andrew and, and but Andrew Johnson's hometown still had all these sort of, you know, kind of memorials to him. And there, but the, things like the Andrew Johnson motel, the Andrew Johnson dry cleaner, it was there, there was something comical about it. And uh, and so I did a whole photo essay on it because I didn't have the means to sort of film a segment back then. That was that would have been a big deal because yeah. there were no iPhones or things like that. And so I went into this network office and I then presented that and the network executive, uh, uh, God, I'm forget, I'm, I can, uh, Belisa Balaban was her name. She was very nice. And she said, wow, you should, you know, maybe you should be a correspondent. I said, well, funny, you should say that. And she said, but the first thing we've got to do is we've got to get you to the office of the daily show and the executive producer. I don't know that, that she'll see you. And so that was the next step. And we waited and we waited. And finally, I got a meeting there. Um, and she's sort of a legend, Madeline Smithberg. The, uh, mm -hmm. She had come from David Letterman and she was running The Daily Show. It was right before Jon Stewart took over as, as host. And I walked in there. I'll never forget. She said, I don't know who you are or why you're here, but I've been told I just have to meet you. So tell me what you've got, which was like a very, whoa. I mean, she, yeah. you know, and she, she's amazing, but she was very, you know, she was tough. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out. The same presentation I'd given at the network level, but I also had brought some other things and she had the same response, which is, you know, 
you should be you should be on camera here. You've never been on camera before, so we won't give you a contract, but we'll give you a couple of shots and see how you do. And the other thing I had learned from Wishbone is the power of bringing your own story. And I had brought these stories. I wasn't, you know, it was that was that was in my arsenal. That was um, that that I wasn't just somebody that could hopefully perform these well, but I could actually. Um, I was bringing stories with me. And so that's how I got on TV. And was that, was that all connected then through the tonight show and CBS Sunday morning? It was kind of like a, once you're in TV, people kind of find out who you are. <laughs> yeah, I think, what, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I think so. And I, I think it, it certainly, the show was, was, was so kind of, it was at the, the time I got on the daily show, it was both hot. I suppose it was also had the advantage of being still seen as sort of a cult show. Mm -hmm. So it sort of had everything going for it, and a very young audience, which television is obsessed with. And, uh, um, but yeah, but then I had to begin the process of sort of finding my voice, and that was, um, and I suppose we do that throughout our our lives and our careers, and and that was its own that was its own journey is yeah. figuring out sort of he, this, the show had a very particular style, but I had my own sense. Ability, and mm -hmm. I had to figure out how to make the two fit, and it wasn't always easy. So it was it, it was thrilling, and I was learning a lot, and I was on this very hot show and getting a lot of attention for it. But I was also trying to figure out: wait a minute, what's what's what is my voice? What is my sensibility? Mm -hmm. Because the show, understandably, had its own sometimes pretty strict. Um, style that obviously worked phenomenally well for it and, and and that style was generally sort of you know the mock reporter well john i'm here in baghdad and and that worked really well for the satire but i also kind of i had i had stretches where i thought well, wait a minute what what do i think is funny and what's my and and you know what how can i move beyond this just playing this mock reporter right and even uh, with anyway. you know my my grandmother's ravioli and mobituaries and these stories you tell where are you where do you find these stories what what stories do you appreciate telling what inspires you i guess well i think during my cooking show my grandmother's ravioli where i ran went around the country learning how to cook from grandmothers and grandfathers in their kitchens mm -hmm. but was really just an excuse to hear kind of their life stories and it was very carefully cast. I worked with an old friend of mine that I met on The Daily Show, Gideon Evans, and it was a great collaboration. Um, that was that was very personal to me, and I'm very, very proud of it because um, um, I think it was a very pure, clean idea, uh, and um, which is I was at a point in my life where I wanted to hang out with older people who, and I know this sounds a little simplistic but we're at a stage in their lives where they knew who they were and what they cared about in life um and also didn't really care as much what other people thought of them so i knew that they would they were more likely to just sort of be themselves on camera and with all due respect to like you know i know people love like the real housewives those shows are i, I get that, that a lot of people think they're fun um but you know these these grandparents weren't coming on camera to skill to, to, these grandparents weren't coming on camera to sell their margarita mix or something they were just we we were really careful to cast people who were kind of happy and satisfied in their lives and 
I best would think being on TV was kind of a kick, but didn't need it. So I needed to come to them. They weren't trying to, they weren't sucking up to me for anything. Like I needed to, if I was in Irish grandma Peggy's kitchen, she was going to make the scones the way she always made them. And she doesn't measure, which is insane for a baker, but it's part of why I loved her. But she wasn't there to like hope, hopefully, you know, launch her own skincare, you know, line or something. She yeah. was just sort of doing what she always did and going to her church to, you know, to help people that, 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 you know, that were homeless and coming there for aid, like, or, or, you know, Ruth, you know, an amazing grandmother in our premiere episode who had, you know, survived the Holocaust by hiding in a barn, you know, for, you know, as a, as a child and, and, but, and yet was the most optimist, one of the most optimistic people I've ever met. So, I mean, it was, this was, um, this, this was a great experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you right settle more into your life and realize more about who you are, what, is there a balance for you between this achievement and fulfillment? Oh, um, between, I've never heard it asked that way. That's interesting. A balance between achievement and fulfillment. Um, yeah, I mean, I oftentimes when I hear my credits read back to me and it's, it's flattering, you know, for, if I'm appearing somewhere and somebody says, you know, him from X, Y, Z, certain things. I don't, I don't know that I regret any of the projects I've done, but there are certain, but I, certain things I hear differently than others, like, and they don't correlate with their exposure or, you know, the numbers of people that actually saw or read them. Mm -hmm. But if I hear my grandmother's ravioli, that warms me, not just because I loved my grandmother and her ravioli, uh, but, uh, but because it was, I think, I feel like something was said and it was personal and I did something that I wanted to do there. So, yeah. Um, so that's something that's fulfilling and, but yeah, I know we talked about some early lessons, right. With wishbone and whatnot, but is there a particular role you've played that has taught you a significant amount about yourself? Oh, well, I mean, this role in fairy cakes is, um, I'm, it's still, I'm still settling into it, but I mean, it's, it feels very personal. I know it's very personal to the playwright, Douglas Carter Bean. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this is this character Geppetto is a different take on the Geppetto, the Pinocchio story is, is a Geppetto that almost starts off a little Scrooge like not interested in any human contact. Um, and then discovers his own needs and, um, um, discovers his need for a relationship and for extended family. And I don't think I've ever been a Scrooge, but I definitely, as I've gotten older, um, have come to really appreciate more how important close personal relationships and family are. My mother lives upstairs from me. And it's, it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me that it all worked out. And she, she's, we're not in this, we're in an apartment building. She's on a higher floor. Right. Um, and my, one of my brothers is right down the street and you know, that's, that's really special and not something I would have expected to happen. Um, mm. I'm very fortunate. I can see it in people's eyes when I tell them that my mother lives upstairs for me. It's very revealing how people react, but most people react with almost a sense of longing, like, Oh my goodness, I wish I had that. And I'm definitely very glad that I have that. Um, 
Yeah. So this role is sort of unlocking certain things in me. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah fairy cakes is it's fun. And it's, it's quite a world. I think Douglas did a great job, you know, picking the story he wanted to tell because there's almost no boundaries on where you can go with fairy tales right. if you're going to spoof or change. And I think, you know, fantastic job too, to you. I was there opening night. Oh, thank really, you. Really, really an enjoyable, enjoyable, heartfelt piece. Do you have any most gifted books? A- any most gifted books that I've given as a gift? Yeah. Or oh, you know, this... Or was it, um, uh, you know, this is sort of a weird thing. I, I, years ago, the writer Francine Prose wrote a book called Hunters and Gatherers. And I just, a novel, and I just thought it was so friggin' funny. And so I gave that as a gift a lot. Um, um, I, I, don't, I don't know that it had like very deep meaning for me. I just thought it was really, really funny. Um, so that sort of springs to mind. Um, you know, I always loved the, uh, the, the first volume, it won the Pulitzer of Edmund Morris's biography of Teddy Roosevelt, The Rise of Teddy Roosevelt, um, just because it's a life of such passion and talk about pushing through, you know, an, an asthmatic child who grows up to be our most robust president. So that always meant a lot to me. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, any changes you've made recently in recent history that have increased positivity and decreased negativity? Um, I'm trying to take more walks now. Um, I think that helps. I think it really does just fresh air and walking around. Uh, you know, I loved that play, Lucas Nate's play, um, a Doll's House Part Two. I went to see it twice. Mm-hmm. I did a little piece on it actually for CBS Sunday Morning, and I loved what Laurie Metcalf's Nora character said when she explained why she left at the end of Ibsen's Doll House, Doll's House, and she said, um, "I something to the effect of she needed to hear." her own voice and that at first when she went away all she could hear were other people's voices and then after a year or or some stretch of time she still was hearing a couple of voices and then it took a while for her all those voices to quiet and believe me i i think listening to other people is really important i've been very lucky fortunate i don't like the word luck but i've been very fortunate to have you know um a lot of great mentors and and influences through my life, but, but I have felt better just sort of taking time out to just be quiet (laughs) and, um, and, and try to just settle down and hear and figure out what matters to me. And just even that, even the process of doing that feels good. And yeah, I know you just brought up listening and I have to ask, do you have anything to add on how you've gotten better at listening? Well, you know, it's my job on CBS Sunday morning taught me how to listen. It forced me to learn how to listen because you can't do the job if you don't listen. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it um, and that's, by the way, it's been so interesting kind of 
figuring out the similarities between what I do as a journalist and what I'm doing as an actor and, and the similarities between the two roles. And there are more than I realized. Um, but, um, but yeah, being, being a correspondent on CBS Sunday morning told me, taught me more about listening than, than anything else could have. And if I didn't learn that lesson, I'd be, I'd get fired. So I kind of had to learn it to, you know, to, 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 to keep the job, but, um, um, yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and one of the challenges of a job like that, by the way, especially when you have a time limit, if you're interviewing somebody and they're in, you only have say a half an hour with them is to listen actively and not think about what your next question is going to be. That's really hard. And I think that's, it, it, it's it's habit forming and it's obviously great in life and people can tell when you're really listening to them and you're not just waiting to ask your next question it's just it's 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 palpable yeah good point really really well articulated um metaphorically speaking if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see does anything come to mind Push through. I mean, I know it sounds old fashioned, but just stick which should be in the dictionary. I feel like comes from an old Broadway show probably, but, uh, or a lyric, um, but pushing through just to, um, it's just so important, I think. And I guess it's a version of follow through, but, but push is a better word because it does have a feeling oftentimes finishing up something completing it, fulfilling it, of pushing through. And that's okay if it feels laborious and, and, uh, and sweaty and kind of difficult. And, you know, I always, I imagine the image of my uncle had this little apartment on first Avenue and there was a storage unit, like over the front door, kind of like a little a space up there. And to kind of put stuff up there was like you kind of had to hoist it. And I so for some reason, I'm thinking of that image of, you know, if it feels like like you're just kind of hoisting and pushing, that's OK. It, 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 it's probably worth it. Yeah. And having the, the trust that it's going to happen the way it should, you know, because that's I think a lot of self-doubt gets in the way it keeps people from pushing. I think so. I also think, by the way, and I don't even mean this sort of like in an airy fairy way, but I think that even if it if it's not a quote unquote success, if you finish that screenplay or you finish that whatever it is, um, it doesn't matter if it necessarily if it doesn't sell right away. Um it will embolden you for the next project and for whatever you're doing, you'll feel good about yourself. Um, and the nice little bonus is who knows in 12 years, people might, you know, want, um, uh, it, it suddenly the studios might want a screenplay about librarians that are, you know, crime fighters on the side or whatever it is that you've dreamed up. <laughs> so like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Well, I love this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're playing course, Geppetto, Fairy Cakes, Greenwich House Theater. Very exciting. Really nice talking to you, Clayton. Thank you. People of the world, Mo Rocca. 
You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.